Welcome to the 101st episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, it's all about the NCAA tournament. The Terps top Belmont 79-77 to down in Jacksonville. Wayne Viner will be joining us from the arena down in Jacksonville. But before we get to all of that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote at 301 nine eight six zero zero six seven or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, there will not be a Terrapin rundown on this episode because it's a um NCAA tournament special. But really quick before we get to Wayne, Maryland wins the game. What did you see? What did you like? What didn't you like? Well, there's a lot not to like in the first half. The Terps was done by as many as twelve points in the first which may, honestly made me a little bit concerned that we were going to maybe even get blown out like Marquette did against Murray State, another Ohio Valley team. But we hung with it. And as much as the first half was a bit of a bummer, the Terps showed a lot of perseverance. They came out roaring in the second half. Jalen Smith put together maybe his best performance of the season. It, it was a pretty solid second half. The first half I could do with that. Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me also. There were a lot of standout guys in this game. To me, the most, even though a lot of people point to Jalen Smith, to me, it's Daryl Morsell. Um, I heard part of this game on the radio, and Chris Knocky was talking about how animated he was in the huddle, how he was pushing the team along the way that he does. We all know Morsell always plays hard. It might not look great on the stat sheet, but he's one of those guys for Maryland. But today, he lit it up a little bit, scored some big baskets for Maryland. Yeah, one that really sticks out in my head for Darren Morsell, actually there's two. One is towards the end of the game, like towards the very end of the game, Darren Morsell, he was open for, wide open for a three-pointer, and it almost looked like he hesitated for a minute. Like He was like, should I really shoot this? Should I be the guy to shoot this? But it was just so open, and it was he had to take a shot, and it went in. That was a big one for me. And also, there was a point in the second half where the Terps were down by a couple points, and Daryl just dive-bombed towards the basket for a layup and got a foul and won. He was second on the team with 18 points, and he played maybe his best offensive performance of the season. Yep, that was a big positive. Um, Let's see, what else do we have to get to before we get to um, Wayne, who's down in Jacksonville? Uh, The last thing that I'll say is... That me, like many other people, were surprised that Maryland ever even came back in this game. If somebody told me that Maryland was down by 12, let's say they told me that yesterday. Someone gives me the scenario, Maryland's down by 12 in the second half, and I think 7 or 8 in the second half with about, I don't know what was left, 8, 7, 8 minutes left, they went back down by 7 or 8. There is no way that I'm telling them that Maryland comes back and wins this game. Not with what we've seen recently. Not with 
what I personally think of Mark Turgeon. I was just <laughs> very positively surprised today when Maryland fought back into this game. I think it's, I don't actually agree with that. With the way the game was flowing, I think. But no, that... no, no, we're not talking about it, the way the game was flowing. We're saying if somebody told you Maryland was down by 12 in the first half and then eight or nine in the second half with seven minutes left that you would tell them that Maryland's going to win that game. No, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, and that was my point. But in the NCAA tournament, it just seems like these type of things happen. And I'm not saying that I would expect it, but I wouldn't be totally shocked either just because of the way tournaments played. Like, Michigan State was losing to – was it Bradley? Who they were yeah. Playing? yeah. They were losing by them by a couple of points with three minutes left, and they just ended up winning by eight or nine points because it's just – in the tournament, there are very few blowouts. Mm-hmm. Teams play so hard. Teams, people get nervous. So I wouldn't put it out of the question that we came back, but I would still be surprised, I'd say. All right, and with that, we'll bring in Wayne Viner. Wayne, how are you doing, and how's the weather down in Jacksonville? You know, guys, I have not been outside for a while. You can hear the bands playing behind me. We're waiting now for the Wofford and Seton Hall game. Um, the weather today when I was outside was beautiful. Uh, it's a great day to be a Terp. It's a great day to be a Terp today. Speaking of that, what was the Maryland crowd like? It seemed like there were a fair amount of Terp fans there, but um, how was it? I thought there were about a 1,000 fans, most of them right behind the Maryland bench, but they were scattered all over the place. If you walked out in the hallway, you saw a lot of Maryland gear. About 13,000 people were here. There were some empty sections way on the roof for the day game. Um, I haven't even didn't I missed the entire Kentucky game because I've been putting videos together and pictures. You can see those videos on TerpTalk.com. Got a chance to have Joe Smith be my post-game guest. His analysis of the Maryland win is up there. I was in the locker room with Anthony Callen, Ricky Lindo, and some videos to come, which are Jalen Smith, Daryl Morsell. I got a chance to talk to former Maryland coaches, Nima Obedvar, not on tape, just uh, in passing, and Dustin Clark. Got to ask a few questions at the press conference. Overall, it was a good day. My overall takeaway from the game is that we were a shot away from an instant classic for Belmont as a buzzer beater. It was great that that didn't happen if you're a Maryland fan, but, man, Dylan Windler can play some ball. Belmont is no joke. They are legit. Yeah, talking about Belmont, obviously they got out to the strong start that they would have wanted. Where did you think they really let the Maryland team back in? Because it seemed for the longest time it was, you know, 12, 11, 10. They had their distance, but then just – kind of quickly let Maryland back in it, and then in the NCAA tournament style, you know that's when you're in trouble. Well, they let Maryland in at the beginning. It started to erode for them at the end of the first half. Uh, Joe Smith and I talked about whether or not they had gotten tired. 
certainly later in the game, Belmont didn't have the same pop that they had earlier. But near the end of the first half, Maryland started to figure out the uh, Seton Hall dance team. Cheerleaders are walking by. Hi. Nice pom-poms. Sure. Okay. Um, Maryland figured out how to get inside. They got the bigs in foul trouble. Seton Hall didn't have a whole lot of big guys. They ended with Dylan Windler playing power forward, uh, which wasn't a good look down the stretch. Their freshman center, who was the player of the all-conference freshman of the year, got early foul trouble. They brought in uh, Adelsberger off the bench. He plays 20 minutes. He only goes two for seven. They just didn't have the depth. One of my top takeaways, Daryl Morsell had the he-came-to-play look. Sticks caught that in the second half. There were a couple minutes when he was dominant. They couldn't handle Bruno and a fired-up Jalen Smith. If you get a chance to watch the interview, which will be posted probably tomorrow, Friday, East Coast time, he talked about, he laughed at me when I said, you look ferocious, but he ended up that he agreed with that. He played ferocious. If he can play at that level, watch out for Maryland. I, I don't know if they'll do that on Saturday. I don't know if they will do it, the Turks. But they played with that spark, that fire that's been missing. So I don't know if that translates on television. Mason, Jordan, what did you see? Well, I think that the Terps definitely had more intensity than usual, especially Six. Six looked, like you said, he looked ferocious. He wanted to be there. He wanted to play hard. Not to say he doesn't want to be there anyway, but he really looked like it for once. Um, I like that Josh Tomajic got a bucket, even though it was only one bucket. But the player that really stood out for the wrong reasons for me was Anthony Catlin. He had a tough day. I mean, he... And he's had tough days. And Mark Turgeon in the press conference said that they always believe he's going to make the next shot. It took – he did make one down at the end, but he yeah, had a – Yeah, it was a, a big one. It was a big one. But you're not going to win that many games when he goes three for 18, one of 10 from beyond the arc. And they said, sure, he had some rebounds, he had some assists. But overall, and that some assists are six assists. He only had one turnover, but he's got to shoot better than that. He knows it. And he was happy after he won. And I, Jordan and Mason have both gone with me to post-game press conferences in College Park when I've actually gotten to the point where I've asked him what makes him, Anthony Cowan, happy. And he hasn't really answered that question. Today, when I went to the locker room, said, are you happy? He actually smiled at me. Look, he had a good time. He didn't play that great, but he had a good time. And I've got two minutes of Anthony Cowan smiling on video. To me, that's a first. Yeah, that's different because, you know, every time we see him, especially recently, he's kind of trended down. You know, today might have been the bottom point as far as just the stat sheet goes with 3 for 18, 1 for 10. Mm -hmm. But you and I both know. Even when they win, and he has better, way better games than this, he always thinks that he can be better. And it's just, I haven't seen the Cowan interview yet, but 
for you to even say that just seems like almost, I guess, out of character for him to be happy. Well, he knows that he knows me. He knows us by now. He he knows that's what I'm going to ask him, and he, he gets a chance to smile. Yeah, he's really hypercritical of himself. I, I'm sure they still list him at six feet tall. I don't have that list in front of me. He's not that big. He's usually the smallest guy on the court. He doesn't get the foul calls that you and I, critical Maryland fans, even Jordan, a critical Maryland fan, you know, he gets fouled more than they call it. And he's not a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. But he's the guy that makes this go often for Maryland. So if he can have fun and admit that he had a good time, maybe we can get somewhere. Maybe we beat LSU. Had it look on TV. That's how it looked to me here. How it looked to you guys in Maryland and back in Fargo, North Dakota? Uh, I think with tournament games, it's really hard to judge teams on scoring in general. For example, Michigan State played um, Bradford or Bradley, something with a Brad, Bradley. earlier today, and they were, they were trading baskets with them almost the entire game. And any average college basketball fan would say Michigan State's a great team, but they barely, barely beat them. So I think when you look at LSU, who barely beat Yale, and we barely beat Belmont, it's hard to judge. But I think on the whole, I'd say the team played a really solid 30 minutes of basketball if you take out the first 10. I thought they had a lot more fight. They just looked like they were playing harder than usual. I'll give an example there was a play in the first half where Jalen Smith actually got on the ground, was fighting for the ball on the court. Now, I'm very critical of Jalen Smith and the way that he plays, but if either of you can disagree with that, that doesn't seem to happen much. Maryland doesn't seem to be a team that's going to dive on the ground and get in those wrestling matches for the basketball. And today they did, and I think the end result shows how much more that can push you and how that can make you better. You know, they only won this game by two points. But at the end of the day in March, a win is a win, and you have to get on the ground and fight for the ball. You know, everybody knows that if they lose, it's over, and I think Maryland actually got to the point where they were playing with that in mind. That's a fair point. If you watch, you don't know what you guys have seen because it's all got turned around very quickly. But if you watch the Turp Talk postgame show and see the last 2.4 seconds of the game and see the joy that Maryland exuded running off that court that they realized that what the moment was. Yeah, that, that's, what this, that's what this is about. Those are the moments that you remember for the rest of your life that you won this game. So I'm happy we got to see one of those. And I can say happy about the middle of tomorrow when we come back to the Vice Star Arena in Jacksonville, talk to the team about how they're getting ready for LSU. A game time has not been posted yet. Hopefully around midnight tonight, the NCAA will let us know what time Maryland plays against LSU on Saturday. Um, but... As the band starts up, Seton Hall and Wofford getting ready to take the court. That's our live report here from the Vice Star Arena in Jacksonville for Maryland.
Tops, Belmont, 79-77. Guys, I'm sure we'll do another show after the LSU game. I thank you for having me on. I know you've got a lot of other ground to cover. But, uh, from Jacksonville, that, that's a wrap from my end. Do you guys have any other follow-up questions? No, I think that's a wrap for your live report, Wayne. As always, thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Go Terps. Beat LSU. Talk to you on Saturday. We're looking forward to it. And that was Wayne Viner with the live report from down in Jacksonville. Jordan, let's move to the stat sheet. But before we do that, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. To work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know their way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop, Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they are the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the Young Terps sent you. A lot of big performances down low from the Terps. Let's kick it off with Bruno Fernando. Uh, Bruno had an okay performance, I'd say. 5% from the field, 14 points, um, 13 rebounds. He hit a three-pointer, finally, when he took it which was kind of surprising for me, a big momentum moment. But on the whole, I thought he really could have played better, especially on defense. Yeah, um, I, I really don't know what to say with Bruno because the double-double at this point is almost expected. So when I look at the stat line and see, you know, 14 and 13, I think, yeah, that's a pretty good game. But really when you get down to it for him, was it – and when you look at his defensive performance and, you know, I know they throw double teams at him, but it's really hard to judge him because from a numbers perspective, it's great. But when you really look at the game and you look at what he can do, I don't know if you're in that same category. Well, I thought, on, especially early in the game, he tried to make impact plays on defense too much. For that, I mean, he went for big blocks or tried to really wipe people out, but maybe it cost a layup or two. I think that he struggled with the double teams a little bit. He just played better than passing out before. But on the whole, he was pretty good complimentary to Jalen Smith, who really stole the show in the post. Yeah, Jalen Smith, 8 for 9, 3 for 5 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, 19 points. He showed up. He showed up when Maryland needed him, and he showed up in a big way. Yeah, he really did. He His scoring at one point in the second half was just dominant. He had that huge monster dunk over Dylan Woodler that got everybody super hyped up and kind of brought it home. I don't know what happened to free throw shooting, though. Free throw five doesn't sound that bad, but he missed some important ones. Mm-hmm. But on, on the whole, though, he rebounded like a beast. And the offensive rebounds, 19 points. You can't really complain about that. No, you cannot. He was, he was I think, my second um, most surprising thing that I saw on this first glorious day of March Madness. The first thing I got to say was the Minnesota shooting, though. Yeah, Minnesota shooting in that game was pretty 
amazing to see. But getting back to Maryland, um, Eric Ayla had a real mixed bag of a game. Yeah, 5 for 13 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3. Goes with 5 rebounds, 12 points. I, I This was pretty much what Eric Ayala has been doing recently. He misses a lot of shots, but as I keep saying, he makes important plays for this team. This team needs Eric Ayala. Really, regardless if he goes, you know, 5 for 13, my mistake, or, you know, 7 for 10. It's, he just does those things that Maryland needs, and, you know, you take the good with the bad with him. Yeah, I'd say that summarizes it pretty well for him. It was it was fine. It was good enough in this game. I don't think if he plays like this again, it'll be as a positive result. The thing that really concerns me, though, with this team in general and Eric Ayla was he only had zero assists. Or not only, he had zero assists. So I think on the whole, the team ball could have been better in this game. We scored a lot of points, but the offensive flow was a bit off, and I think he was partially responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Um, moving down to Daryl Morcel, who had a big day for the Terps, 6 for 10 from the field, hit one of one three-pointers, which you don't really see much with him. He usually takes more than one. 5 for 7 from the free-throw line. Only gets two rebounds, two assists, a steal, four fouls, but 18 points. His best offensive day, but kind of low in some other categories that Daryl Morcel usually succeeds in. Yeah, he didn't get any. He only got one rebound, which is. Well, two he had rebounds. two. He had two rebounds. Yeah, four fouls are a bit of a concern, but that one three pointer was a big one. We talked about that earlier. Six of ten from the field. Yeah, it was really all you could ask for mm-hmm. for Daryl Marcel. The only thing he didn't do as well was he he was on Dylan Whittler, and as we'll get to later, and we already kind of talked about it a minute. Dylan Whittler went off, and yeah. Daryl Marcel did not do much to stop him. Yeah. Um. Well. Okay. When it comes to stopping him, and we'll get to this a little bit later, you know, he was dragging him deep past the three-point line, and he was hitting him from out there. He was hitting them from, you know, like he was Jimmer back in the day. He was just draining threes from wherever he took them from, so it gets really hard to guard a player that's doing that. That also kind of goes to his rebounding stats being a little bit lower. Is He was getting, you know, taken really far away from the basket. Um, We... Already talked about Anthony Cowan's performance, but just to sum it up, three for eighteen from the field, one for ten from three, two for five from the free throw line, picks up four rebounds, six assists, gets nine points, four fouls. Uh we already talked about it. Not a really a great game. And then onto the bench, we'll kick it off with Aaron Wiggins, who gave the turf seventeen minutes, two for seven shooting, one for five from three, five points, two boards. Not a great game from Wiggins. No, he kind of disappeared in this one. I don't really know what happened to his involvement in the offense. I mean, he still got some shots up, but he was not being very aggressive. One of five from three was, you know, bad. I was ready to say that. It was an, it was a cold game for him. That's all I'm really going to say. He didn't contribute much, but he took some minutes out, and he did his job well enough. Yeah, the same goes for Sorrell Smith, who in five minutes only recorded a foul. Uh, Ricky Lindo, kind of the same for him, just takes up minutes, plays hard. Uh, his only stat was a rebound in those six minutes. And then Joshua Tomajic, he'll get three. He got three minutes on the day, one for one shooting, two points, a foul. So kind of uh, not much coming out of the bench, but 
You know, the five best are going to play. Five best are going to play. That sums up pretty well. Um, on the Belmont side, there's a course to Wibbler, 39 minutes, 35 points, 7 for 14 from deep, but he felt like he made everything at some points during this game. He was a monster. He almost won the game by himself. Yeah, he gave um, Belmont great, great minutes, some fantastic highlights, you know. He just played, really, just balled out in this game, did all he could. On the last play, it was a broken play. It didn't work out to get him the ball. It was, if From the national perspective, it's a shame they didn't get a shot off for Maryland. We're probably pretty lucky that he didn't. Um, 11 for 23, 7 for 14 from 3. Six for seven from the free throw line goes adds up to thirty five points along with eleven rebounds from him. We knew that he could shoot. Averages twenty one points a game. He's had games where he's gone over forty this season. But you know, not to take away from his performance, it was a great one. It truly was. And even the college basketball fan of me was a little bit bummed out that Belmont lost, even though I was thrilled Maryland won. Like I I just collapsed in relief after the game ended. But Belmont was a fun team to watch, and I'm, I really wish they played somebody else so I could root for them. Yeah, but, you know, it ends up like that. It's, I see, I didn't get really get to see them play much during the regular season, but I see why teams, or my bad, why analysts and a lot of people thought they could push the Sweet 16. It just, it made sense. They, they had those NCAA tournament team kind of look to them. Maryland just made those plays. Jalen Smith got going. You know, the things that we talked about all year for this team to be at their best, I'm not saying that they all went right. Obviously, Cowan wasn't great. But there are two things that you got to point to at the beginning of the season and say they worked out today, and that's why they won. One of which is Jalen Smith. His play was fantastic on the offensive side. And the other was Daryl Morsell being able to kind of light a spark on offense, make those plays that we all thought that that we all really thought he was going to be able to step up and make, you know, at least have more than one game like this. But, hey, you know, if it took till now, it, if it, you know, keeps working, you could be seeing the Terps in the Sweet 16. Oh, I think that is a good segue, as any. Next up, Maryland faces the LSU Tigers, who are number 12 in the AC poll, 27 and 6 in the season, and squeaked out a win against Yale, excuse me, 79-74 earlier. Yeah, this game kind of gets chalked up at the end to Yale's three-point shooting, which was, I didn't get the final stat. I, I know at one point it was like six for 30, and the end stat is Yale was eight for 37 from deep. Um, I watched, I got to say, I don't know, around the first half of this game. As soon as LSU got up 9 nothing, I knew if the Terps won, it looked like they were going to be playing against the Tigers, even though Yale got it close. Yeah, Yale played a pretty solid game. Other than the missed threes, if they made a few more, they had this game, but they didn't, and we're focusing on the LSU now. And for LSU, it's really about Tremont Waters. Tremont Waters, second team All-SEC guard, averages 15 points a game and six assists. A very solid player. The other one you got to watch out for is Nas Reed, who really sticks out. Yeah, I like that guy. Floor. That guy can play. Yeah. He sticks out in the floor. He's 6'10", has colored dreadlocks, freshman. He can he hit looks, the threes. He just, like, he just looks like a college basketball force when you, you see him play. 
Yeah, um, the other guy from what I saw, I really like Bigby Williams down low. Um, he had 10 points. Yeah, but Tremont Waters started off this game on fire. Uh, it looks like he cooled down quite a lot. I think he had all those 15 points in the first half. But he was a guy who was committed to Georgetown after uh, JT3 was fired. He decommitted from the Hoyas and then went down to LSU. He actually, and this is one from the broadcast, I don't know how many of you guys watched it, he actually grew, grew up only a mile from Yale, and he, he was going to go to Yale after Georgetown dropped him, but then at the last second he decided LSU was where he wanted to play. But, you know, he had a great game, great start for LSU. It looks like... They kind of, like a lot of these games do, windled away at the end and let the other team back in. Yeah, and that happens a lot in the tournament because March Madness is just different the rest of the season. Everybody knows it. I think so many people are focused on the Will Wade situation at LSU, but the team looked pretty locked in from the start of the game, so you just have to play them. You have to treat them like you're playing a three-seed. I know a lot of people have written LSU down a little bit because of the scandals, but they don't look like they've taken a step back, so I think we need to treat this game like we're underdogs. I don't think so. You know, I think Maryland can go sh- play, you know, right up against a team like an LSU. But, you know, they're a three seed and we're a six seed. You're right. You do have to look at it that way. I think a key point for this game will be two real big men for LSU and, of course, Nas Reed, who I assume will be going up against Fernando. I really don't want to see a guy like of that size go up against Sticks. And then Bigby Williams, who is another big man in the um, front court for LSU. It's going to be a pairing a lot like Maryland's going up against the Terps. Uh, that's got to be your matchup to watch. Yeah, I would agree that Bigby Williams and Nas Reed actually line up pretty well with Bruno and Sticks. And I would say it's a concern because when Maryland has played against teams that have comparable size and athleticism inside, they have not always had great results, especially if you look at, like, when you played Michigan. We or Michigan State. Or Michigan State, you're right. Or even you saw it against with, with Wisconsin a little bit. Or but Illinois. We, okay, we get, they get the point, Mason. And that is that when we play teams with level talent or superior talent, the Terps have struggled, and I think it's fair to say no matter how they got this talent, which is under suspicious circumstances, LSU was pretty filled out in their starting five. So as odd as this may sound, I think that it's very possible that the Terps bench could be the difference in this game. As LSU only goes three deep like the Terps do, I think if Aaron Wiggins or Ricky Lindos, Ralph Smith, any of the, our bench guys can have a good game, it could push the needle. Yeah, and um, wrapping this podcast up, I'll just go ahead and give my prediction for the game on Saturday. Again, there's no time yet. Hopefully we'll have it sometime tomorrow morning or late tonight. I think Maryland, for some reason, I think Maryland's going to win this game. I can't really tell you why after what we just talked about. It seems like the matchup's pretty negative, but I just think the Terps have it. I really like the hard work they put in. I feel like they know that that's what it takes to win, and that's something that you just, in my opinion, we haven't seen from a Mark Turgeon team in a long time, if ever. Uh, I like what's going on. I like the way Maryland played, 
So I'm going to give the Terps a slight edge over LSU. I'll give it 75-72 to 72 Maryland. Uh, it's it's always the problem I have when I pick this tournament game in particular is it's what my instincts tell me versus what my heart tells me. My heart tells me Maryland's going to win and play against Michigan State, presumably, in D.C., but my brain and my instincts are telling me LSU is going to win this game. And I got to follow my gut in this one. I'm going to say LSU wins 79-78. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Young Turps Podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner. Dot com Allied Party Rentals for all of your parties, big and small. Allied has what you need for everything from a large wedding to a small luncheon. Allied has it all. You can visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com and Maryland Euro Cars, Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Bentley. They do them all at Maryland Euro Cars. For all of your car service needs, Maryland Euro Cars is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-217-5831 and ask for Christian. Jordan, that's going to be a wrap. We will be back, depending on the game time, either early Sunday or late Saturday night. Um, anything else? I really hope you have a good time. A good time in terms of actual time and a good time as in having fun on Saturday. I think our season could end, but you know what? I really thought it might end today, too, so... More caution to the wind, go Terps, and I hope the brackets are still intact because mine took a big hit earlier today. Yeah, as did mine. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap it up here for the podcast. Go Terps, beat the Tigers, and send us back home to D.C. for Sweet 16. We would also like to thank Wayne Viner one more time for coming on from Jacksonville. That's it. Good night. Go Terps. And as always, thanks for listening.